This is Baseball Tonight, the podcast. This is the Baseball Tonight podcast for Monday, September 25th, 2023. And today will be better than yesterday. I'm Buster Olney taping this after a Sunday night baseball game in Los Angeles. We have the Dodgers and the Giants. We'll talk about that tonight. Uh, and working back in Connecticut is Taylor Schwenk. You still you still have a, uh, a cast on, right? We are booted over here. We are uh, going in for a CAT scan on Wednesday to see if surgery was, is required. Uh, I don't think it will be, but... Uh, yeah, booted, sore, icing it, that whole thing. Not fun. Man. So Taylor, Taylor's grinding through. You know, it, it reminds me of so many players this time of year, just worn down, but he's pushing through. <laughs> he's posting up, and that's good. And Sarah Abbott has rejoined the podcast, which is good, Sarah, because, look, we got a lot to get to tonight. Uh, we're going to talk about the Dodgers. We're going to talk about the National League MVP race. Of course, we're going to talk about the American League West. But as the day played out on Sunday, I was thinking about you because all of a sudden your favorite, Taylor Swift, has a thing with Travis Kelsey. And I was thinking, oh, man, this is, a, this is a, either a really good day for Sarah or a really bad day. Which is it? This is a fantastic day. I am overjoyed. <laughs> this is all I can think about for the past, like, 48 hours it's just specifically this instance and oh man I, I couldn't have asked for a better Sunday I just could not okay so I'm going to ask you more about when we do bleach your tweets later I want you to break it down break down the possibility of relationship you know how I always like to ask Sarah and Tim for predictions I'm going to ask you for a prediction for how long this is going to last okay oh I'm ready oh I'm okay. ready all right well we'll we'll get to that in a bit but first we got the baseball <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I mentioned at Dodger Stadium, Dodgers, Giants, and Mookie Betts put on an absolute clinic defensively in the top of the fifth inning. Hard grounder, back up the middle, backhand stop, Mookie Betts behind second, off-balance throw to first, he gets Davis. Tremendous play by Mookie Betts, that ball was scorched. The one-strike pitch, and Peterson bounces one to the right side toward the hole, diving stop by Betts, in a shallow right, and he throws out Peterson. Another brilliant play by Mookie Betts, who's putting on a highlight reel. That was a great Roxy Bernstein on ESPN Radio. It was 2-2, top of the 10th inning, and Mookie Betts wasn't the only Dodger who made a great play. The 2-2, swinging a bouncing ball off the glove of Miller, fielded near the bag by the shortstop. Taylor steps on second, doubles up Bailey, and the Dodgers escape. Ricocheted off of Miller, up into the air. Taylor near the bag at second. That'll go as a 1-6-3 double play. A great pick by Freddie Freeman at the back end of that to complete the double play. It was Taylor who walked it off for the Dodgers. One strike pitch to Taylor. Swing and a liner right center. This will win it for the Dodgers. Into the alleyway. Rosario is in to score and the Dodgers walk it off. So the Dodgers win that one 3-2. The Giants are just about done. I think the tragic number uh, for elimination is down to two. The Cubs and the Rockies. And the Cubs had an opportunity over the weekend to play Colorado at home. Because remember, coming up for the Cubs, two series against the Braves and then the Milwaukee Brewers. So it was important for the Cubs to take care of business against Colorado. And they did it on Sunday. Tying run at first. Go ahead, run at the plate. Wisdom drives one in the air. Get out the tape measure. Long gone. Cubs lead. Uh, it was Pat Hughes on the Cubs radio network. The Diamondbacks, currently in fifth in the National League seating, faced the Yankees at Yankee Stadium, and Evan Longoria got a big hit in the top of the seventh. All right, infield in, first pitch, Longoria. Rocket shot to third. It gets past Peraza into left field. One run going to score. Walker rounding third. He scores as well. Two more come home. It's 4 nothing Diamondbacks. On their way to a 7-1 win, they'll play again on Monday, and they moved their schedule game on Monday against the White Sox to Thursday. So the Diamondbacks will be able to work in all these games around this weather that system that just moved through New England. Uh, that sound, by the way, Arizona Sports 98.7 FM. Hot Ticket is brought to you by Vivid Seats, the official ticketing partner of ESPN. Get great deals on the hottest tickets. Experience it live. Taylor's Orioles faced the Guardians over the weekend, and Abby Rutschman got a big hit in the top of the fourth. 3-2, Rutschman, left side, that's down for a base hit. Mateo jogs home, Quan with a sliding stop. Rutschman digging in for second with a slide, he is safe. 
Adley Rutschman with an RBI double, and the Orioles make it 4 nothing. It's Melanie Newman and WBAL. The final score there was 5-1 to one Baltimore. They remain in first place uh, in the American League East with a, a steady lead because the Tampa Bay Rays had a rough Sunday against the Blue Jays. 2-1. Fastball on a line. Straight away center field. Hit pretty well. Margot's at the wall, and it's gone! What a tee shot from Vladimir Guerrero Jr. He ripped that fastball, put a ton of backspin on it, and sent it over the wall in straightaway center field. 6-3 Blue Jays. That from Sportsnet 590, the fan final score, 9-5 Toronto. The Texas Rangers came into the weekend a huge series against the Mariners, and the Texas won on Friday, they won on Saturday, and then on Sunday they took a big lead early. He just needs three leadoff home runs to tie the major league record. And he swings and hits one high in the air to deep center field. Julio going back. He's at the wall. He leaps and he knocks it over the wall. Off the glove of Julio Rodriguez and over the center field fence. It's another two-home run game for Marcus Simeon, and it's 7-2. to two. It was great to hear the voice of Eric Nadell uh, on 105.3, the fan. The Rangers would barely hang on. They would win 9-8, but they sweep Seattle over the weekend. They are now in first place in the American League West, and they have a good lead over the Astros as well because Houston got swept by Kansas City. The 3-1 pitch. Fastball punch deep in the air, right field. Tucker's back to the track, at the fence, out of room. Nelson Velasquez goes deep to the opposite field again. His second home run in as many at-bats. Now, the Royals didn't hang on to win 6-5. to five. That sound, 6-10 KCSB. Taylor, have you ever heard Astros fans booing like that? Like, I've never no. heard that from Astros fans. Hi. How are you going to boo when you won a World Series less than a year ago? I feel well, like, I feel like you're not allowed to boo your team if like if you won a World Series that 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 recently, right? Uh, so if the Orioles win the World Series this year, you're not allowed to complain at all about them next year. You'll make that trade, the Faustian mm, bargain. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, you could complain about them, but like I, I don't know. I've only had one of my teams win a championship, and I and the Capitals the next year after they won the Stanley Cup didn't do a lot of complaining. They were very mediocre. Didn't complain much. Yeah, uh, Sarah, we know this. She didn't boo the Phillies the whole year. She's a lifelong fan since last October. So, I, you know, that makes complete sense. All right, Taylor, what else you got? We got a new episode of the College Day Game Day podcast coming up uh, this after, coming up Monday afternoon. Uh, a lot of stuff going on in college football. You had the walk-off run up the gut in Ohio State, Notre Dame. Florida State wins on the road against Clemson in overtime. Uh, just just so much, so many things to get into. So Reese Davis, Pete Thamel, and Ryan McGee, they're going to dive into all of it on the College Game Day podcast. You can listen to it where you're listening on this app and on YouTube. Yeah, but here's the question. Did your group make the connection between the Dodgers and Prime? No, no. Okay, well, I'm telling you, there is a connection. We'll find out in a moment. The NFL schedule drops this week. And you can be there to catch all the action live and in person with Vivid Seats. Experience every touchdown, every tackle, and every eye-popping play of your favorite team. And to kick it off, Vivid Seats, the official ticketing partner of ESPN, is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code BASEBALL. That's code BASEBALL. Download the app or visit VividSeats.com today. That's VividSeats.com. Dot com today, code baseball. Vivid Seats, experience it live. You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes, the clutch hits, the strikeouts, grand salamis, web gems, with nothing on your roof. So whoever's up there, whether it's roofers, Santa, birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, you name it, they won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, root, root with nothing on your roof. Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit directtv.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Seam heads rejoice. Mm. 
This is Timmy Time. Baseball is the greatest game. With Tim Kirkshen. It never disappoints you. On Baseball Tonight. And Tim Kirkshen covers baseball for ESPN. And Tim, again, you're driving home uh, after driving at least south from Connecticut, back down toward the Maryland area. I don't know. Are you stopping in Philadelphia again? I am. I'm going to go see my son and his daughter and his wife, and I'm going to do all sorts of errands for them tomorrow. <laughs> go to the grocery store, cook, go to the donation place, go to the Jiffy Lube place. Uh, it's quite a life I've carved out for myself here, Buster. Very nice. Uh, and because you were driving, I know you weren't watching our broadcast. Because you were driving, you're listening on radio. I'm sure Roxy Bernstein did a great job of uh, uh, doing proper honors to Mookie Betts' two plays tonight, which is, I'm sure, going to be fed right into the National League MVP machine. Because uh, it, it, if you were trying to make a case for Mookie Betts and why his defense should be the uh, separator between him and Acuna Jr., uh, for MVP, tonight would have been a nice night for that. Yeah. Um, now, Acuna is a very good defensive right fielder, and Mookie Betts is much better. And yet the difference is Mookie Betts' ability to play the infield and the outfield. I mean, he's the best defensive right fielder in the league, and he comes in and plays second base or shortstop. Nobody else does that or can do that. There was a great Elias note today about Whit Merrifield is the only other player in the last 100 years to do what Mookie Betts has done this year, play X number of games in the outfield and X number of games in the middle infield during a season. The difference is Mookie Betts has done it at a world-class offensive production, whereas Whit Merrifield's been good, Mookie has been spectacular. And yes, that's why Mookie Betts has a real chance to win the MVP because of his defense and more important, defensive versatility, which allows Dave Roberts to do all sorts of things with Jason Hayward and others because he can play Mookie at second or short or right field. When we talked to Dave Roberts before the game today, he said that the Dodgers' best defensive team is with Mookie Betts at second because that means Jason Hayward's in right field. That means Rojas is playing shortstop in all likelihood. And he talked about how uh, between Outman and Hayward and Mookie and Rojas, he think that's why that, thinks that's why the Dodgers have gotten so much better defensively. So I heard you make the case for Mookie Betts, but I didn't hear you say, this is my National League MVP. Can I pin you down? <laughs> you always do, Buster. Um, I, I think Acuna is and should be the MVP of the league as of this moment. Now, if anyone votes for Mookie Betts, you will get zero argument from me. I just think Acuna has had a historic year, and so too has Mookie Betts. Acuna has a chance to hit more homers and drive in more runs out of the leadoff spot than any player in the history of baseball. Of course, Mookie has a chance to do the same thing. That's how close they are. It just seems to me that that since we've never had a 30-60 guy and Acuna is at 40-70, uh, <laughs> that, that, need, that needs to be factored in here. I know it's easier to steal a base now than it used to be, but uh, he's just been so great from day one. He's been the best player on the best team. So by the narrowest of margins, I would say Acuna is the MVP. Uh, and I love, Tim, what Dave Roberts told uh, Mookie as he's coming down the stretch here. Yeah, they, the Dodgers are going to Colorado to play a series of games. And what Dave has told Mookie is, look, I want you to win the award. So if you want to play all the games in Colorado, uh, even though we're coming down the stretch and the, the wins and losses don't matter as much in the last week of the regular season, if you want to play, I'm there for you. Tim, have you ever heard of a hitter who turned down uh, plate appearances in Colorado? Uh, absolutely not, especially a hitter who's trying to win the MVP against uh, a really formidable 
uh, competition in Acuna Jr. So, and I love this buster. I, I don't just love it because Dave Roberts is sticking up for his guy and wants him to win an individual award. I'm still a big believer. You've played a certain way the entire season. The last week of the season, you should not make a change in that. Play him as much as he wants to play and keep him sharp, and maybe he has three great games in Colorado and wins the MVP. So because you know Dave Roberts, I'm going to tell you this story. As we were talking with him, I looked behind him in his office in Dodger Stadium, and there's a box there. Uh, clearly something you know had just been delivered, and on top of the box, Tim, was a white cowboy hat. And so I said to Dave, what, what is that about? A white cowboy hat. And he just gave me this look like, ugh. And what happened was that the Dodgers coaching staff, you know how the teams have the dress-up themes, the Dodgers coaching staff decided they want Dave to go as prime, as Deion Sanders. He's got to wear the white cowboy hat, the whole getup, and all the coaches are going to act like prime security. What do you think? Uh, <laughs> I, I you know, Dave Roberts, uh, I, and I said right. to him, you are on the polar opposite of Deion Sanders and your personality. <laughs> of course he is, and that's why you have to love this, because the entire team recognizes that he is the polar opposite, and therefore this will this would be fun. White cowboy hat on Dave Roberts. Priceless. I love it. We want, we uh, want to bring entertainment and fun into the game. Let's do it. All right. We can either do that or maybe we should just talk about the American League West, which is wild and wacky. I don't know about you, but uh, two weeks ago I, I figured up oh, Rangers are about fried. They're gone. And, Tim, they're not only leading the American League West this morning, uh, you know, or late Sunday night after that sweep of the Seattle Mariners, but they look like they're in a good place to win the division. And the Houston Astros just got swept by the Kansas City Royals at home. What's going on? Well, I can't figure this out. I think I've got this right. In the last, like, 15, 20 games, whatever it is, the Rangers lost four in a row, or won four in a row, lost six in a row. Yeah, they, it was some ridiculous thing that they've done here. The point is they've won five games in a row. They've got their entire lineup back. Adolis Garcia is back. He's a 3,100-man. Josh Young is back. He's had a great rookie year. This is the best offensive team in the American League. They can bludgeon you. And today they hit six more home runs in sweeping um, the Mariners. So I'm guessing now that the Rangers are going to win the division because they also got the back end of their bullpen going a little better. Aroldis Chapman on Saturday throwing 103. Jose Leclerc today was very good, like he was yesterday in a setup role. So I like where the Rangers are. I think they're going to win the division, and I certainly didn't think that two weeks ago. And all of a sudden, the biggest series in baseball this week is going to be uh, Astros at Mariners because the Astros are now in this situation where, I mean, they have to scramble to actually make the postseason, let alone have a shot at becoming the first team since the 99 uh, or 98 to 2000 Yankees to go back-to-back. And, Tim, I wrote a piece last week about this that I really think that the Astros team has essentially gotten bored with the regular season. Uh, but as Joe Torre and I talked to Paul O'Neill and Mike Stan about this, and Mike Stan, as you know, does pre and post game show on some Astros broadcast. He's like, I I think there's something to that. Uh, but they they better turn on the light switch, as Joe Torre once said to the Yankees in in 1999. Right. Well, I'm doing that game Wednesday night in Seattle, Mariners and Astros. I can't wait. I'm doing that game on the radio. Um, Buster, the Astros are 39 and 42 at home this year. Wow. They were 51 and 30 at home last year. And that is inexplicable to me how that can happen. They've got their offense really completely together now. There is no excuse for them not scoring a ton of runs. And I think their pitching is starting to round into shape because Christian Javier and his disappearing fastball was really good the last time out. So they still could be an exceptionally dangerous team in October. If, if, as you wrote 
they actually make it there. And now I think there's a question that they won't. But given that the, the Mariners right now are struggling even more than the Astros, my guess is the Rangers win the division, the Rays win the first wild card, the Blue Jays win the second, and Houston wins the third and ends up playing uh, Minnesota to start the playoffs. That's how I think we're going to get going now. How about the Rays over the weekend? It feels like they lost, like, all of their healthy players. They had, like, eight guys break, it felt like, over the weekend, and they just keep on winning, Tim. It's incredible. Brandon Lau got hurt four to six weeks. That is a devastating loss. You know, he's a low-average hitter, but he's a good second baseman, and he hits the ball out of the ballpark. He gets big hits, and he's got a lot of postseason experience. Yandy Diaz now had a hamstring, came out of the game. We're not sure how injured he is. The entire pitching staff seems to be injured. This is a miracle that the Rays are still playing at the level that they are, but even they cannot put up with this many injuries and get through this in what is becoming, you know, a pretty competitive American league. So tell me on a scale of one to 10, how concerned are you for the Orioles about their bullpen, which just seemed on Friday night, like it was absolutely on fumes. Right. Well, it is on fumes because it's been used a lot. And without the big fellow Felix Bautista down there, it's a different looking bullpen. But I, I have a little faith that Kyle Bradish has been so good that he's going to be good the last week. John Means was tremendous the other night. Again, it's coming back from Tommy John. It's only been three starts, but he was great the other night. And if those two and Grayson Rodriguez can really, you know, continue to improve as a very young pitcher. Maybe they won't need that bullpen all the time, but we know this, Buster, you win in October with bullpen and bench, and if you have an exhausted bullpen, it's going to work against you. We'll see what the the, uh, the Orioles do here the last week, and there are no easy schedules anymore, but if anyone has an easy one, it's the Orioles' last six games at home against the Nationals and the Red Sox, neither of which are in contention. So they should absolutely not only rest their primary relievers, but I do think, Tim, kind of like we saw with Andrew Heaney the other day with the Rangers, there needs to be a hero to two or steps out among the starting pitchers, you know, and maybe that's Jack Flaherty. Maybe he becomes a one or two inning weapon in the postseason. We're going to see the Dodgers do that a bunch. Uh, maybe a lot of team <laughs> the way that the pitching staff seem to be fraying all over the place. Okay, here was Joey Votto after today's amazing moment when he walked up to home plate uh, for the first time, got a standing ovation in Cincinnati, and then later on got another ovation after hitting a single. Listen to Joey Votto after today's game. For for you to uh, stop me in the track, uh, stop me in my tracks, stop the game, it means a great deal to me. So uh, thank you. You, you, you almost had me crying. I don't know. I, I, I almost cried. You know, like there's no crying in baseball. And um, no, it, 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 it truly, I'm speechless, and it, it meant so much. Uh, that moment was really special to me. I, um, I, you know, it's a good win, good team win today. That's what we're here for, to give you that. We're going to fight all the way to the very end of the season. This team is tenacious. This team is tenacious. I can't tell you, I can't tell you how badly this team wants to play for you all. They love it here. They love representing this city. And I've been able to do it for 17 years. What a tremendous honor so far. And uh, five more games to go, we're going to try to give it to you. So stay with us. Uh, We will. We'll fight to the very end. So thank you so much. Thank you. He was very moved, Tim, uh, and we're going to see a lot of moments like that over the next week. I made a list here of uh, you know guys who are going to be getting ovations. Obviously, Miguel Cabrera next weekend in Detroit. I was texting back and forth with AJ Hinch, their manager today. He said he's going to play Cabrera in each of the three games uh, to get him the ovations that uh, he deserves. Uh, we know Tito uh, Francona on Wednesday is his last home game in the regular season in Cleveland. 
Terry doesn't want anything special. He hasn't actually announced that he's going to retire. I think they're going to be playing a tribute video beforehand, but they've uh, he's warned them off, Tim, about uh, no surprises. You got Zach Granke lined up, it looks like, to pitch the last game of the Royals regular season. Who knows? This might be the end for him. That game would be against the Yankees. Uh, Brandon Crawford uh, is going to come off the injured list for one game uh, at the end of the regular season in San Francisco, and he told us tonight on our broadcast yeah, he's going to play. Uh, and look, I don't think anyone's ready to say goodbye to Clayton Kershaw, but you wonder about him uh, and whether or not he's going to continue after the Dodgers complete their postseason, whether that's uh, with the World Series or otherwise. A lot of great players, Tim. A lot of great people in the sport who are going to be walking away after this season. Any one of those jump out to you? One or two guys in that group kind of jump out to you? Well, so many of them do. I love what Joey Votto said. He's a very smart, very profound thinking person. And I know he speaks from his heart when he talks about what the Reds fans mean to him. To me, he's a Hall of Famer, and they're honoring him that way with the ovations that he got today. We'll see what he does next year, what the Reds do next year. Fascinating. Brandon Crawford played more games at shortstop than anyone in the history of the Giants, and not the San Francisco Giants, the entire Giants franchise, which goes back into the 1800s, of course. Miguel Cabrera deserves every accolade. Those numbers are ridiculous. We can't forget how great he was in his prime, and he's not there now, but, boy, he was breathtaking to watch when he was younger and and better than he is right now. Um, I, I love all of these stories. Zach Greinke will will have something really interesting to say if this is for him. <laughs> and I got asked, I got asked this morning, is was that Clayton Kershaw's last regular season start as a Dodger? So. Other people are thinking that way. I'm not ready to go there yet. He pitched really well yesterday. He's the best pitcher on their team right now. He's going to start game one of the playoffs. But, yeah, he family's so important to him. Nothing would surprise me with Clayton Kershaw. Yeah, family is so important to Clayton. Uh, you can tell how much he enjoys his family. He talked on our air tonight going back and forth through the booth about how, you know, it's hard – to, to be away from them when school starts because they're back in Texas and he's here and he's pitching. And, man, he's had a lot of physical issues, as you know, over the last six or seven years, sometimes the hip, sometimes the back, sometimes the elbow. Most recently it's the shoulder, and you just wonder, you know, all those injuries piling up, will this, uh, will this mean the end for him pitching? And I think as he made it fairly clear. He's not even thinking about that, and I don't think he really will in earnest, or in, uh, in earnest until after the season's over. Uh, Brandon Crawford, from what we heard today, he's still the expectation within the Giants organization is he's going to want to continue to play or try to play. We just don't know if some team's going to give him an opportunity. We don't know if it's going to be worked out that he would come back with the Giants. But I I think they all understand it's important to get him a game in San Francisco before the season ends. Uh, One more for you over the weekend, the Atlanta Braves – who are you know, in a commanding position, of course, in the American in the National East. They get bad news on their pitching staff. Charlie Morton uh, has right index finger inflammation, and Max Fried went on the injured list as well. Uh, the, the Braves are telling us that they think that uh, you know that both these guys will be okay. Uh, the expectation is that Morton, if the uh, you know the Braves advance the, to the championship series, he would be okay then, but. Man, Tim, this reminds me so much of last year when the Braves won 101 games. They tracked down the Mets, had an amazing comeback, and then they got into the postseason, and their starting pitching was fried. What do you think? Yeah, well, they're the best team in baseball still. However, without Charlie Morton, who likely will not pitch in the LDS, and with a blister for Max Fried, again, people say oh, it's just a blister. Well, a blister can be very difficult to handle, especially for a guy who's a little bit more finesse, uh, you know, free than he is a true power pitcher. Um, So, yes, I think this throws the National League open a little bit. I think, you know, if if their starting pitching was completely healthy, I think they would be 
the clear favorite in the National League. But now I'm not so sure because you better have starting pitching if you're going to win in October. And even though they can bludgeon any team with that ridiculous lineup, they're going to need a little bit more pitching than they have right now. It'll be very interesting to see, especially what Morton and Freed, how quickly they heal. Tim, we talked at length about you uh, on Friday in the podcast with Carl Ravitch because we were doing a victory dance uh, for for you and me after Stephen A. bounced his first pitch 20 feet in front of home plate the other day after calling you and me out and basically saying he had to stand up and represent the company and do what you and I couldn't do in throwing first pitches. And, Tim, I told Carl Ravitch in the podcast Friday, I said, look, I've never talked to Tim about the time he's thrown a first pitch, but I guarantee you this, he does a really good job with it. And as I said, Tim, I'm four for four in first pitches in not bouncing the ball. Tell me about your history. Uh, well, I've never bounced the ball on the first pitch. God, I'm really going to hesitate to say this. But so there was a time in my life where I didn't do anything in the world better than throw a baseball, period. And so this thought that even though I'm 66 years old now, that I'm going to bounce something from the top of the rubber, look, that's just not happening. But the lesson here is not whether you're four for four or I'm throwing a strike or whatever. Throw the ball from the dirt. You don't have to get on the top of the mound to throw. If you throw from the dirt, you're good. And don't bounce it. So Stephen A is a dear friend of mine, college basketball player, but he does not have good baseball actions in his throwing. <laughs> and I, I'll leave it at that. What, what was he doing calling you and me out in particular? Like all the people work at ESPN, he's calling me and you out? Yeah, I'm, I think he just picked on us because we're baseball guys and we're not very big, so therefore... <laughs> How could a little guy like us throw a baseball when I repeat? There was a time in my life where I didn't do anything in the world better than I threw a baseball. All right, Tim. Well, uh, enjoy the rest of your drive. Enjoy the time with your family tomorrow. All right, Buster. Thank you. I'll talk to you soon. This is the Numbers Game with Sarah Langs. Sarah Langs, reporter producer for MLB.com, and also might be the only person in the world more sappy emotional than I am, I must say. <laughs> Sarah, and I can see from your tweets that you send out, you love the special moments. We talked on Sunday Night Baseball about that great moment last week, Bruce Dark Gratterall, uh, you know, getting to see his mom at the airport for the first time in seven years. And then he has a big moment. He celebrates it with his mom. Then his mom throws out the first pitch and puts Stephen A to shame, uh, you know, with how accurate it was. So over the weekend, because we're starting to wind down and some of these teams are finishing their years, we're starting to get some really, really cool emotional moments. Give me a favorite for you from over the weekend. We are. So I'm going to find a way to say two. And (laughs) one of them has to be. Joey Votto getting the um, standing ovation to every at-bat today on Sunday in what could be his last home game in front of the Cincinnati fans. The best part was the first ovation and I believe the second inning. He soaked in it and cleared it with the umbrella, did the whole thing. And then he kind of turns to the crowd and says to the crowd, I gotta go hit, which is like Baseball players speak for I can't do any more autographs anymore. Like, that's the classic thing during beeping. But here he is telling however many thousand people, I gotta go do this thing. So I love that. But the other one, also Sunday, Orion Kirkering of the, um, Phillies made his major league debut at the bullpen against the Mets. In that game this evening, and his father cried through the entire inning. I mean, they were showing him. We've seen moments where people tear up, and rightfully so. But this was basically straight balling the entire inning. It was just so perfect, so well-deserved. The entire family and, like, cheering squad for him looked very, very excited, but just it's rare that you see pure tears that way. Yeah. 
Well, I can relate to that as you were telling me. I haven't seen that. I didn't see that video today. I was at the ballpark and I, and I was gathering stuff for a Sunday night game. But I got to go back and find it when we're done. And I'm only going to watch it alone, Sarah. I don't want anyone around when I watch that one. Right? <laughs> All right. Let's play the numbers game. Number three. Number three is 10. So one of the other relievers out of the bullpen in that game was Michael Lorenzen, who the Phillies have been kind of experimenting with and maybe a long reliever role, maybe piggybacking starts, what have you. And today, they brought him in up 5-2 to two in the ninth inning, and he recorded the save. So he became the 10th pitcher since saves became official in 1969 to throw a no-hitter, an individual no-hitter, and record the same in the same season. Last guy to do it was Tim Lincecum in 20, 2014. Matt Gerza did it in 2010. Chris Basio in 93. Jerry Royce in 1980. John Candelaria in 1976. Three guys in 1973. Nolan Ryan, Jim Bibby, and Negro. And Bob Moose in 1969. Just one of those fun things you see that happen. I'm sure that was nowhere near Rob Thompson's mind. But the first thing I thought of when I saw him coming out in that situation in the ninth. Number two. Number two is nine. So from talking about the ninth inning to the number nine. The Pirates had a nine-run comeback in the game against the Reds on Saturday. And I know maybe the Pirates aren't the team we're all thinking about this time of the year, but it was against the Reds. It ends up being a pretty key game in the wild card race. But that nine-run comeback was their largest comeback in franchise history. That goes back to 1882. I mean, we say franchise history for the Marlins. That's my ish. Yeah, we say franchise history for the Diamondbacks. That's 1998. Franchise history for a team that began playing 1882. They had had four previous comeback wins. Now my eight runs, and even that, the most recent was 1994. My nine-run comeback win. Just a crazy game at Great American Ballpark. Number one. Number one, let's go with one. So we had a couple things happening over the weekend that have to do with the leadoff spot and also kind of have to do with the NLMVP race. So on Friday, Ronald McCune Jr. hit his 40th home run the fifth ever 40-40 season, but of course the first 40-60 season, but also 40 home runs is the most out of the layoff spot by any player in a season. But Mookie Mets is right there tied for second with 39. And then similarly, over the weekend, Mookie Betts got up to 105 RBI. That is the most out of the layoff spot in the season since RBI became official in 1920. Second on the list, Charlie Blackman in 2017 with 103. And third on the list, Ronnie Cooney Jr. this year at 101. So we're right. going to have both of these guys set both of these records twice. <laughs> and I was initially going to ask you about, okay, update your National League MVP, especially after we saw Mookie make those great plays at second base since Sunday Night Baseball. Uh, but I'm going to go on to an easy question for you, Sarah. Okay, you ready for an easy question? Yeah. The American League, <laughs> pick the American League pennant winner, okay, because we got the, the Tampa Bay Rays. Everyone's falling apart. You got the Orioles. Their bullpen is absolutely down to a, a down to tatters in terms of how they use their guys and how they need some heroes. You have the Rangers, who were all we were all ready to write off two weeks ago. You have the Minnesota Twins, who we don't know when Carlos Correa is going to play again. You got the Seattle Mariners, maybe if they get in, and you got the Houston Astros. 
And I haven't mentioned the Toronto Blue Jays, who struggle for offense this year, but have that great starting pitching. Pick the team that's going to represent the American League in the World Series, Sarah. I knew your easy was going to be just as <laughs> difficult, if not more so. Oh, my gosh. I mean, I do think, although they did not show it this weekend against the Royals, that the Astros still have the capability to be that team that we've seen be in the World Series and be in the ALCS so many years in a row. I do think if they get there, it could be them. But now I'm wondering if they end up the odd team out here. I'm excited to see the Rangers playing the way they did at the beginning of the season again because I prefer that narrative. I didn't like the idea that everyone was writing them off and that they had fallen apart. So I seem to be leaning out less that some team out of there will do it. But, man, I hope it's the Orioles. I mean, that would be so much fun. But I don't think it can happen the way their bullpen is right now. That's got to be the furthest long shot in a way, just because of that Batista injury. Well, I appreciate it. Also, Taylor will be a lot less miserable, okay? <laughs> the broken foot, you know, his dog is having accidents, uh, you know, know, from here to there. And if the Orioles get knocked out, uh, Taylor, I don't know. I don't know what it, you'll be like for the rest of the postseason. Yeah, it's going to be. It's things are bleak over here, Buster. I need all the help I can get. Truly, pull pull, pull okay. through Orioles. Let's get that AL East locked up. Well, Sarah and I are we're, we're rooting for good things for you. You know, as I always say, people ask me who I root for, and I say I'm rooting for good things to happen to good people. Yes, and good stories and exciting and fun teams. Exactly. <laughs> Thanks, Sarah. Thank you, Buster. We're driven by the search for better. When it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Buster. Just go to Indeed.com slash Buster right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Buster. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Dogs are an important part of our lives, and keeping them protected is a top priority, especially against nasty parasites. That's why you gotta check out NexGuard Plus, a Foxaloner, Moxidectin, and Pyrantal chewable tablets. NexGuard Plus chews provide one and done monthly protection that kills fleas and ticks, prevents heartworm disease, plus it treats and controls roundworms and hookworms. That's a whole lot of protection packed into a delicious beef-flavored soft chew designed to make monthly dosing easy and enjoyable. So the next time you're at the vet, ask about NexGuard Plus Chews. They're the one-and-done monthly parasite protection you want for your dog. Used with caution in dogs with a history of seizures or neurological disorders. Dogs should be tested for existing heartworm infection prior to starting preventive. Here's Roxy Bernstein talking over the weekend with Dodgers manager Dave Roberts. Sunday night baseball from L.A., the skipper of the Dodgers, Dave Roberts, with us. And how do you handle the last week plus of the regular season knowing you're cemented in as far as going into the division series already? Well, it's certainly a great position that we've put ourselves in. I think for me, it's conversations that I have with the players and kind of seeing where they're at, how they feel. Because at the end of the day, players want to play. They want to compete. You know, we've got Mookie that's 
Mookie and Freddie vying for MVP um, accolades. And so I want those guys to play if they want to play. Um, you know, you then the counter is worried about injury. And the thing is that, you know, any athlete, you take that on to play. So I'm not going to worry about that. I want guys to play, compete. I want to try to win baseball games and keep them sharp, getting, in, getting ready for the postseason. So, Doc, so much success over the last decade plus. So what's different about this season, this win, this clinching? I think the difference this year, like every year is different, every team's different. I think this year, kind of the hallmark of this ball club is the young players, uh, the Sheehan's, the Millers, the Outman's, um, the Pepeos. Um, And then you look at with the new veteran guys that came in, Peralta, Rojas, um, Jay Hay, um, that have really done, uh, J.D. Martinez. And so those guys coming together and meshing with what we've had uh, has been a true joy for me. Dave, you mentioned the MVP in Mookie. Strong competition, Acuna, you mentioned Freddie as well. But what do you think separates Mookie? What has he done this year that you think he's most deserving of? Well, I mean, you look at all these guys, they've had really unprecedented seasons. But I think for me, um, I think with Mookie, the difference, because I think on the surface, you look at the numbers and you can debate the numbers between he and Ronald. Um, but I think the versatility, the ability for Mookie to come in and play essentially gold glove second base, which allows for runway for Jason Hayward uh, in right field, um, has huge value for you know not only him, but also for our ball club. So I think that that's, for me, the separator, because... If you look at the surface lines and the underlying, they're all pretty comparable as far as those two players, but that versatility for me is a game changer. Well, speaking of defense, I mean, the improvement just by metrics alone from the first half really or the second half on the defensive side of the ball has been probably historic in terms of the data collection. What do you attribute to how good and how well your defense is playing at this point? Well, um, a lot of hard work. But I think that for me to look at um, James Outman and Miguel Rojas and then Mookie Betts at second base, uh, those three guys, and you're talking about pitching defense, uh, defense up the middle, uh, those are three guys right there that have impacted uh, the metrics. And it passes the eye test, too. And then with that, I think if you look at our pitching overall from the first half to the second half, we're one of the top two, three pitching staffs in baseball uh, in the second half. And that defense uh, is a big part of it. Doc, appreciate the time as always. All right, fellas, thanks for having me. Here's Roxy Bernstein speaking with Seattle's J.P. Crawford. J.P. Crawford with us. And first off, what have you seen with this team here in the second half of the year? A little bit of a slow start. What have you noticed with this group in the second half? You know, that uh, we're starting to, you know, play for something bigger. You know, everyone stopped worrying about the stats and, you know, what they're doing each day and just focused on winning. And I think that's been the main thing. Well, JP, you know, big jump forward for the team last year, finally breaking the ice, getting into the postseason. But your career also is like solidified, right? The last couple of years, the plate discipline, just like taking it to another level. What's been the difference for you? Man, um, just staying healthy, I think that's been the biggest thing for me, you know. Been doing a lot of stuff pregame to, you know, just try to keep my body in shape and just to try to stay on the field and not have these little nagging injuries that just carry over over time. So. Thankfully, I haven't had any of that this year, and, you know, things have been well. We were just talking to your manager, Scott Service, and he really credits you and Eugenio Suarez for the way that this team has rallied around you leaders. What, have you taken on that leadership role? How has that changed you as a player? Yeah, um, I think I have. I think, you know, when Seager left, it was, you know, it was my time to, you know, step up and be that guy. And just over these last couple of years, um, I just found found myself people, you know, coming up to me, asking me questions and realizing one day, like, dang, you know what? I think I am that guy. I need to start acting like it. And, you know, I stepped up. I think I got more mature over these last year or two and really became the guy I needed to be. Well, you look at the front and you see all these games against the Rangers. And so what's it been like, this rivalry and how it's heated up this season? It's been really fun. You know, they're a really good team. And every time we play them, it's really fun baseball. And, you know, September baseball for, you know, for the either, you know, the West or the wild card race is going to be a fun ride. So the next couple of games are going to be really fun. You mentioned September baseball, the experience last year. How much does it help you personally and this team? I know there's some new faces, but to go through what you did last year and the way it really energized the city as well. 
Yeah, definitely. You know, we fiend for that energy. We got a little taste of it last year, you know, and I know I can't wait to get back to that. You know, it's some of the best baseball I've ever played, and some of the moments there I'll just never forget because of how just energetic and fun it was. So definitely waiting to get back. What have you enjoyed the most about being a Seattle Mariner, especially the last couple of years? What's been the sort of passion point for you? Man, I think the fans really embracing me as one of their own. You know, me and my wife, we bought a house up there. We really love being in Washington. And so I would say the fans for sure. They just made me feel at home. JP, appreciate the time. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Here's Roxy talking to Jonah Heim of the Texas Rangers. We're joined by the all-star catch of the Rangers, Jonah Heim. And how much fun is this right now for you, considering your stops along the way in the minor leagues to finally get that opportunity in Oakland, and now here you are in, in the guts of a pennant race? Yeah, I think this is why you play the game. Uh, that's why you get out of bed every morning and, and come to the field is to, to play in important games and, and go to battle with your teammates and then just try to win a division and, and then try to make a postseason run. So in these kinds of games with the high stakes, is your preparation for the opponent any different than what you've been doing all year in terms of strategically? Uh, no, I think we, we go about our business the same way. Um, we try to have as much preparation as we can, especially in, uh, just leading into the season and, and try to keep it the same. Um, if we overthink situations, then we just try to get out of our game plan, and we don't really want that. So we just go about our, our daily business and, and just try to win the day. For you personally, you get traded over to Texas a couple of years ago. How much is this opportunity really made you thrive considering the way your career has taken off yeah i think um getting traded over here is probably the best thing for me in my career and in my family and we love it here we've we've built a, a nice family and a home here so it's uh it's been amazing uh, i can't thank the, the rangers enough for giving me an opportunity to be, be an everyday guy and um like i said this is what you play for you, you you try to get get to the big leagues and stay here and try to play every day so this has been a dream come true well, John, just thinking about leadership, I mean, it's built into your role as a catcher. And then you have Bruce Bochy take over the home. I mean, what has it been like to learn from this type of experience, Marcus Simeon, players like that, where now as a leader, as a catcher, you have to pass that on to your staff and show that on the field? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think that's probably one of the biggest parts of our job as a catcher is to lead the staff and, and try to put up as many zeros as we can. And uh, having a guy like Bochi at the helm is, has been uh, amazing. Uh, any questions I got, any, any situation, just go talk to him. He's got all the answers, so it's, it's, been, uh, it's been a blast. What's some of the best advice he's given you? <laughs> oh, um, just to, to, to trust your eyes and just be a leader. Um, sometimes stuff speeds up on, on the pitchers, and we just got to go out there, calm them down, and, and let, them, let them know that we got it under control and everything's going to be just fine. Now, you have, you're a switch hitter, so you got – two swings to manage <laughs> so what is that like on a day-to-day basis how do you even approach that uh it's just trying to have a good routine uh once you find a routine that works for us it's it's kind of just built into our day um for me it's um, i'm kind of a guy that if i take too many swings in a day then i feel bad during the game so i try to manage my swing load and and uh just follow my routine all right this time of the year it's funny we talked to alex bregman earlier this week and he said he's not scoreboard watching there with the astros how about you do you pay attention to see what the astros and i know the mariners are on the other side right now but have you been following them to see what they've been doing the last few weeks no not really uh during the game we just got one one goal and that's to win the game um right now we got we got our our fate in our own hands so i think that's the best situation to be in and just go out there and take care of business and everything will fall into place What's the best part about being a Texas Ranger? We share that history. I was here in 03. How about you? Oof, that's a good one. Uh, obviously, they built an amazing facility here for us. We got no excuses, so we got everything <laughs> everything for us. And it's just uh, being a part of an organization that really really cares about their players and, and the family. And um, the front office has been amazing for us. And um, it's just the fans have been outstanding, too. They can, we sell at this place pretty much every night, so it's been, been amazing. Jonah, appreciate the time. Thank you. Yep, absolutely. Thank you, guys. Jonah Heim of the Rangers. Bleacher Tweets. Alrighty, Buster. Bleacher Tweets for a Monday. And we got we've got a lot to talk about with Sarah over here. Sarah was very Yeah, busy let's just here. get into it, Sarah. So I, I mentioned, I was gonna ask you, how long do you think that uh, I mean Taylor Swift, it, she's known for breakups, right? I mean, would, would you agree with me there? Because that's part of what has fueled her music. Yes? Yeah. I would say it's, it's, you know, she is known for her songwriting, but it is. <laughs> well, I don't mean that on top. I'm saying it's one of the elements about her, right? 
I mean, yes. you know, I could say Moogie Betts yes. is a great baseball player, but he's also like specifically a good defender. Okay. That's yes. kind of the same thing, right? Yes. <laughs> Correct. But you know what? Call me crazy. I think this might be it. I think they might be end game here. Whoa. I listen. Taylor, listen. clip that off for me. Okay. Right. Not Taylor Swift, Taylor Schwenk. Yeah. Clip that off for me. Here's the thing. She's in the suite with Mama Donna Kelsey. They're besties. They're vibing. Taylor Swift looked like she was having the time of her life. I did not see this coming because of the amount that Travis Kelsey and Jason Kelsey were talking about her. I thought she'd stay away from him with like a 10 foot pole, but I was shocked. And you know what? I couldn't be happier. What a pleasant surprise. <laughs> uh, Taylor Schwenk, uh, uh, you're not a Taylor Swift fan to the degree that Sarah is. Do you, do you care to uh, make a, make a bet as to how long this is going to last? Travis Kelsey is uber annoying. He's a great football player, but he's so obnoxious. She's going to get annoyed with him. So I don't think it's end game here. I think this is, I think this is more her. I feel like it's going to be similar to, she was dating that guy from the 1975. It's just going to be a little, little fling. It's hot and heavy right now. Flash in the pan. It'll be over before, uh, before postseason. Okay. We got to, I mean, someone's going to be really right. And someone's going to be really wrong. We know that. Okay. Sarah wants to get on the ground floor here, making this prediction because no one's throwing it out yet. So she's like, Ooh, Now's the time. But this we, is it. Yeah. <laughs> we are due for another NFL star, A-list celebrity relationship. We haven't had one since Tom Brady and Giselle. So we're due for another one. And this could be it. This could be it. <laughs> How dare you disrespect Kim Kardashian and OBJ like that? How dare you? Wow. Wow. <laughs> you know what? When Kim Kardashian is in a suite watching OBJ, I will eat my words. All right, <laughs> but we enough. have no proof of that. Oh man, I, I we've got right. we got a bleacher. One more one more thing. Bleacher tweet from Teddy Wilson. We didn't talk about it. He sent along a uh, job listing for the Tennessean for a Taylor Swift reporter. He asked, uh, "How are we going to prevent you from leaving the podcast for your obvious dream job?" So this is obviously something Taylor wants to get into because I cut it out of the rundown that I sent in and he restored it. I think that's the first time ever, Taylor, you've done that. Like I'll kick out some of the bleacher tweets and you're like, no, we're going to, we're going to talk about it. You know, Taylor Swift is my passion. I don't want her to become my profession is the best way (laughs) I can put that. Well, it'll be really boring other than the negotiations over the prenup if they actually, you know, uh, Travis Kelsey and her get married. Yeah, you never know. You never know. Taylor Swift likes to keep everyone on her on their toes, and she's been doing a fabulous job at that these days. <laughs> okay. All right. We'll get to baseball. We'll, we'll get back to baseball, Buster, whatever. <laughs> All right. Don Irvine, he wants to know, with pro sports teams selling for record prices, what is taking so long for the Nationals to be sold? Is this the Learner's family's fault or something else? Also, how is the lack of new ownership affecting GM Mike Rizzo's ability to rebuild the team? Um, I don't think it's necessarily affecting it yet, but moving forward, they're clearly in a position where they take a big step forward. If they spend a little bit of money, you might know something about that, uh, Taylor, with your favorite team. Uh, the question is whether or not ownership's going to augment what they have and, you know, we'll see this winter. I, I don't know specifically what the issue is. Um, I, I, my guess is probably they're not getting as much as they wanted to get. All right. Amy Chapman is up next. She writes, and I'm confused by all of the different titles in a baseball team's front office. What's the difference between a GM, director of baseball ops, associate GM, assistant GM, who reports to whom, which positions are the most necessary? Yeah, Amy, I'd say this. It is kind of annoying. <laughs> I agree with you. <laughs> like Sometimes like a, a, a guy gets a promotion from assistant to GM to GM, and then his boss moves up to head of baseball operations. And other than the title, what's the actual difference? And maybe there's some money kicked in. I don't know. But I do find that to be annoying. So here, direct or head of baseball operations is how, you know, I'll refer to, like Brian Cashman, his title has been GM of the Yankees since February of 1998. He hasn't gone to this head of baseball operations thing, but that's effectively what he is. He's the head of baseball operations. In a lot of organizations now, they have what they're referring to as a hobo, head of baseball ops. Uh, and then you have the GM below them, and then you have assistant GM. Uh, I haven't heard of an associate GM, but I, I wouldn't, you know. And in some ways, teams do those uh, titles 
because they that helps them to fend off uh, inquiries from other teams. So a team could say, hey, I'm interested in talking uh, to Sarah Abbott about becoming the general manager. And then, you know, Sarah's current team promotes her to general manager to hold off that inquiry. That's sometimes it's strategic in how they do that. Jeremiah Avis Roos writes in, I was listening to your expansion talk while mowing my lawn and was wondering about a team in Mexico City helps with teams in the West. That is a major media market and a passionate fan base. What would be the hurdles? Yeah, we talk about a lot of Canadian expansion, but this is an interesting take from Jeremiah. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, uh, from what I understand, the ballpark, and I do wonder, and I can't remember the exact how many feet above uh, above sea level it is, but I know that's been a concern for teams that go down to play. Is that it's an absolute bandbox. It would be like a Coors Field South mm-hmm. in terms of the offense. Paul A. Haynes writes in, "Hey Buster, with regards to the to Verlander's pursuit of 300 wins, would it make any sense to use him strategically as a bulk guy or middle reliever in pursuit of wins? Less wear and tear on the arm has to be a good thing." I don't think he would put up with that. Um, you know, an idea. Maybe when he gets right down to the finish line and he just needs a few wins, maybe he would do that. But for now, he's completely devoted to the idea. Uh, and I was texting back and forth today with AJ Inge about this. He's very much devoted to the idea of going after 300. I mean, anyone who's saying, yeah, it'll never happen. No, he, he is going to work to try to make it happen. He's under contract for two more years with the Astros. All right. Last one for today. Vic shot me a message on Instagram. He asks, or uh, writes in following the lost last year of the Braves and Dodgers in the division series and the Yankees struggling to win their series against Cleveland. Should the two teams with buys in each league be given a one Oh lead as a reward for them being the higher seeds and potential cooling off of teams as they await to play their games. I, w- I don't know about that uh, because I would say this, all of these teams, and there's always talk about the you know teams and how they're affected by layoffs if you're to give the ch- a choice to all of these teams right, right now, the Braves, the Dodgers, uh, you know, the, the oh, Orioles, yes. uh, you know, if, if you gave them a choice between being, <laughs> being that team or not, they would all take it. They want to be that team. They want the buy. And that's, uh, you know, and that, that's sort of the price. And that's some of the risk that goes along with that. Right. It's, uh, you know, the Orioles are playing the the Nationals and the oh Red Sox. Oh my God! But... You don't tell me. Think the Orioles would love their bullpen to oh have my a God, few days yeah. off, Taylor. Well, that's what I'm saying. I mean, like it it makes the Orioles like they, they got the foot on the gas. They got to get these last three wins over the the next you know six games. So the the sooner it happens, the better. Yeah, it's, I uh, I'd be bummed if they don't get it, man. Ugh. Ugh. I think they will. Yeah. They will. They will. We'll we'll see how it goes. All right. That's it for today. Uh, my thanks to Tim, Sarah, Sarah, and Taylor. Have a great day, everybody. Thanks for listening. Stay safe. And remember, hate and inequality based on skin color is something we need to fight against every single day.